Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Surveyor, Author and Property Investor. And this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And this episode is going to be of particular interest to anybody who's thinking of doing refurbs, developments, anything sort of fairly practical, enhancing a property, adding value, all that kind of stuff. That's this episode this week. Because I'm delighted to introduce my guest this week, Dan, Dan Holbert. Hi, Dan. Hi, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And Dan, you've been in property quite a while, haven't you, I'm guessing, in a, in a very practical way. Yes, 15 years practitioner experience, I like to call it. <laughs> practitioner experience. What, what do you actually mean by that? So I started off um, as a contractor, mainly in maintenance, um, and we worked with the councils. And then I worked in, started doing private stuff, and then started working with property investors to sort of understand how they were doing it. And then got myself educated and started doing my own projects. So it's gone from, you know... For, no experience 15 years ago to now running my own multiple projects and helping others do the same. Right. So you had you had a quite a few years on the tools then yourself. Yes, I did used to have calluses and, and when I say practitioner, I mean practitioner. I used to be in the footings, digging the footings and yeah, I used to be real hands-on, on the tools experience, um, mainly carpentry and uh, plastering. But when you're on that sort of stuff, doing full refurbs, you end up doing a lot of stuff yourself in regards to like wiring and running wires and pipes and, and then getting other guys into final fix and sign off and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, there's not much I haven't done within the industry and within the getting your hands dirty. So, But I haven't picked up at all for a while now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, there must have been a point when, particularly if you're actually helping investors yeah. and you were seeing what they were doing, yeah. did that, I mean, up until that point, presumably we're just seeing property and, and doing the, the refurb and the work as just a job. Yeah. And... I'm assuming there was a light bulb moment where you thought, actually, hang on, I could actually do this differently. Yeah, so the, the transition or the turning point for me was um, about about two or three years into being in, into the industry, really. So, um, you know, working for councils was a was always tough. Like payments were stretched, and you know, you wouldn't get paid for 120 days, which is a long time for a small contractor to, to wait for money. Um, so yeah, the light bulb was um, I read a book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started learning about all that sort of you know about the property and the wealth creation, etc. And I just thought, you know what, there's more to life than just being on the tool. So how can I um, do it differently? Mm-hmm. And and that's where the process started, and that's where the light bulb moment happened. Really. Okay. So what was the process? How did how did you decide that you could do it differently? Um, so education really was was uh, reading books and then. I delved more into Rich Dad, Poor Dad, did some of their online coaching, mm-hmm. um, which was an American coach that just have weekly calls and et cetera. So they were coaching me through the process and they said, well, what do you want to do? Business, property, stocks and shares. That was kind of like the three options. And I was like, well, I'm interested in business and I'm interested in property. And they said, well, do you do any networking? I was like, well, I've done a little bit. And they said, well, what sort of networking? I said, business networking. So they said, well, what about property network? And I said, no, there's no, there's no property networks. I said, I've not, not seen anything like that. Um, and they said, well, go and, that's your research this week, go and Google 
property networks. And then I found Kent Property Club, which doesn't exist anymore, but was going for years and started going along to that and learning and finding out more and more and more and then started paying for education. And the transition really was working with a coach and a mentor to sort of say, well, what do you want? Where are you now? Where, what do you, where do you want to be? And I said, well, I always, I've always wanted to be off the tools and run my own business. I'd rather just be my own client, really. That was the main drive, mm. uh, rather than work for other clients. Um, just be my own client and get best practice for my own projects, really. So that was the transition. And then also in the background was I've always wanted to then, what I've learned is teach others to do. So mm. that's kind of where I am now. Okay. So just taking us through that process, perhaps in a little bit more detail, because I'm sure yeah. a lot of people have been listening to this and thinking, well, that's me. I, I want to do it for yeah. myself. I'm fed up in my job, you know, yeah, whatever yeah, it happens yeah. to be. So you make it sound very easy, though. You decide, I'm going to well, do it yeah, for myself. Well, yeah, I mean, that's but, 15 years condensed for, into, yeah, into like 30 absolutely. seconds, 60 seconds. Absolutely. But, I mean, presumably you went out and found finance, you found JV partners. I mean, how, how did what were you actually doing? And what, yeah. what did you actually, what strategy did you decide to pursue? So, I mean, started. I teach something called the empty model now, which is really all the process that I learned over the years. And I can explain a bit more about that in a minute. But basically, I went out and decided to work with investors more mm -hmm. to, to, to learn on the tools. And, and obviously, when I say on the tools, but on their finance tools to understand what they're doing, how they're doing it. And I realized that some people were doing it without their own money. And I was just amazed by that. And I said, well, how can you do that? Because my family... Like they were so well, we just talk to your family. I was like, well, my family haven't really got any money. It's not really um, something that they've got. Um, and they were said, what about your friends? I went, well, I haven't got any friends. You <laughs> <laughs> sound a bit like me. Yeah. There we go. And they were like, yeah. he said, well, that's not a good place to start. So he said, what else do you do? I said, well, I do a lot of business networking. He said, well, just start talking to people in it, saying that you, you know, you obviously got a lot of experience in the building industry. Um, you know, which is. A lot of people say, well, it's all right for you because you've got the building background. I said, yeah, but I still needed to learn a hell of a lot around the finance and create, creating deals and structuring deals. So um, I just went and started talking to people at business networks that I was already at. And, uh, and that's how I started finding money. Okay. And what did you spend the money on? Uh, well, to start with, we were doing flips. Um, I wasn't actually ever interested about being a landlord. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that was more short-sighted, really. Uh, quick buck because I wanted to you know, get the money now. Um, uh, I did buy, started buying a few buy-to-lets, some single-lets, um, but realistically, I wanted to just do it, sell it, get some money and uh, move on to the next one. Yeah, well, I think flipping's a great strategy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It, it is, is, it is good. It it's is about good. having the balance, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think doing a bit of both is, is really good, really. Mm. So, I mean, I do the same now, but just on a slightly bigger scale, we're, you know, doing slightly bigger projects. Uh, we're doing new builds now, so... You know, that's our capital strategy uh, in the southeast because that's where I'm based down in Kent. Um, so, yeah, we're, I'm still doing HMOs and looking to buy blocks of flats so we can keep keep cash flow, um, keep the cash flow coming in, but then pay down the investors with the capital and compound it that way. So then I'll get, I can do it, buy it now with other people's money and then compound it with my own created through other people's money on developments. So <laughs> it's kind of like swapping it over, really. Right. So you are very much in the development. Uh, we're move, yeah. moving more into that, yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got uh, two new builds that we're, we're we're just literally getting planning for now. Uh, we've just secured a site for seven new houses. Um, so that's kind of the, the size that we're going for. Um, nothing much bigger than that, though. Mm. Uh, but 
you know, with it. But I've, again, I'm not doing that on my own. I've got two really experienced people doing that. I've got a building surveyor and uh, valuer, John, who's got 40 years in the game, mm-hmm. um, and Bernie, who's 30 years in architectural and interior design. So I'm not doing it all myself. You know, there's a partnership, whole Parker Woods, that we that we decided to do together. Right. It's a very impressive power team that you've managed to assemble. Yeah. I mean, and again, like joint ventures, I love that. I love joint ventures, but I think a lot of people do rush into it a little bit. And uh, I think it's it's a business partnership at the end of the day. So you've got to make sure that your values are correct and aligned, that the expectations there, the relationship's good and strong, and you've got, you know, you've got the same sort of drive and, and, and capacity to do things, really. So... These guys, John, I've, I've known for, what, two, three years, and Bernie, seven years, and they're all, again, through networking, just connecting and, and just building that relationship. Um, they regularly attend my my networking event down in Kent, Property Vault. So, yeah, it's just been one of those gradual relationships. It's interesting how many times when I'm interviewing somebody on the podcast, they say that networking was absolutely key and crucial to their absolutely. business. and the whole of their business grew or expanded or sits upon the foundations of that networking. Yeah, no, absolutely, definitely. I mean, one of my philosophies with networking is when people tell me that networking doesn't work, it's because they're not doing it properly. It's just that simple. Or they're trying to get a quick buck out of it um, and not think about longevity. And for me, networking is about long term. I mean, I've been networking for nearly 15 years now since I started my own business. So... um, it's about connecting, but and I still talk and connect with people that I, I met all those years ago. So I think networking is absolutely pivotal to creating a decent business, a long, long-term relationships. You know, when you go to a network, for me, I always say you've got to show up, obviously. You've got to be there, but be present in that moment. Ask lots of questions about the person rather than tell them lots about yourself because if you're t- talk, asking them, then the rapport is much better. So definitely show up. Always follow up. But don't necessarily follow up with just a meeting, follow up with a call, have a chat, see what what else there is that you could do and then meet up potentially for a coffee and go from there. But so, yeah, show up, follow up, meet up. That's what I always say. Excellent. Excellent advice. So you you went from doing the flips. Yeah. And you've transitioned to doing the developments. What sort of of happened in between, Dan? Uh, So we, uh, I had a business partner that we were doing doing things up in in the north where we were converting two to three bed um, properties. Uh, So we were taking a a floor plan that was, if you can picture a Victorian terraced house, uh, you've got the two reception rooms downstairs plus kitchen and sometimes an outbuilding off the back of that. And then upstairs, you've got the main master suite the middle bedroom and then the back bedroom, which was converted into a bathroom because those houses wouldn't have had a bathroom when they were built. It would have been a tin bath and an outside toilet. And that was, mm. that was, that was your lot, mm. <laughs> especially up North. That's a bit cold going out in the <laughs> toilet. <isn't it? laughs> um, so yeah, well, what we, all, all we used to do is we used to, um, cause the regs changed while back in regards to, you only need ventilation in the bathroom. You don't need a window. So as long as you've got adequate ventilation, uh, we used to put a new stud work, stud wall in the middle room, and convert that into a small, well, it was about seven square metre, eight square metre bedroom, and then a small bathroom shower, and then we'd convert the bathroom back into a bedroom, which was about a 10 square metre bathroom mm. into a bedroom. So mm. it used to go from a two to a three bed. Mm. So we were doing, and then we would we would buy those with other people's money, cash. We would do the work. Us, uh, we were buying for about 50, 55K, uh, doing them up for about 20, 25 to a really nice standard um, 
It wasn't Greenwich Range kitchens from Howden's. It was, you know, handleless, nice, nice kitchens. Um, and then, yeah, they would refinance or revalue to about 110. Mm. Um, but what we would do, we'd refinance that money, give it back to the investor. If there was a little bit left, we would stump that up or we'd say to them, leave it in long term, three, two to three years, five years, depending mm. on what they wanted to do. Mm. So we were leveraging it, basically. Yeah. Always leveraging. So we did a few of those. We bought some standard buy-to-lets as well up there and just added value and did them up. Um, and then HMOs. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> so HMOs was, um, yes, five and six beds, all en suite, uh, very high standard. I mean, we were breaking, this is in the Midlands, we were break, I was breaking rents of, you know, we were 15, 16, 18% higher than what was on the market. Hmm. Uh, we were leaving in between 30 and 50, 60K, uh, I think our average ROI was about 36, 37%. Mm. So again, long-term investment for someone to leave their money in. Uh, and then the, the plan is is to any cap capital, compound it, you know, maybe keep a bit for cash flow as well for backup war chest, et cetera, and then chuck the rest back in and compound it with their money, making us more money. So mm. longer term. They've still got those properties. Yeah. 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 And it's such a great model. It's a very simple model. Yeah. But it's very effective, isn't it? I think property for me uh, is very simple, but it's just not always easy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like most things in life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I like the way that you've, you, you're breaking that, those rental barriers as well. Yeah. Just by doing a bit extra. Yeah. I come across so many investors who want to do a little bit less yeah. and they wonder why it doesn't quite work out. Well, funnily enough, I was on Facebook this morning. I did a live this morning and uh, we, I did a video a couple of days ago and quite a few people have responded um it was on the progressive uh, um community and they were saying that you know they've had a client go around uh, they do refurbs for, for property investors and this this particular client was like oh i don't know whether to wallpaper uh, paint over that wallpaper and, and for me that's just yeah just i'm not that, that's not the standard that you should be doing property to um you know, that's a level and it's just not a level that I'm interested in. And she said the same thing, so it's quite interesting. And she said the funny thing is there was probably about six or seven grand's worth of damp, which is easily fixable, but he wasn't even even concerned about it. He was more worried about how he's going to paint it. Mm. That, to me, is just lazy learning, mm. I think, personally. Mm. you got to be you got to be, um, you got to be on it when it comes to the refurb side, definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about refurbs, because you must have done loads of refurbs yeah, in different forms. Quite a few. Yeah, so, I mean, what, what, what sort of properties are you refurbing? We've got a bit of a clue there, really. You've got your buy-to-lets and your HMOs. Is yeah, it mainly much HMOs it? right now. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for blocks of flats that we that have pre-existing flats that just, you know, just need some work and we'll take on the whole block. Um, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't secured any just yet, but that's the next step of what we're looking for. Um, but, yeah, mainly HMOs we're refurbing at the moment. Uh, it just it just works, So, but we're just doing it to a very good standard. Mm. Um, but the great thing, and this is an advantage for me, is I know how to cost it. I know where the costings can come in. I know when they're taking the mickey or not. Um, so for me, it's it's quite easy to to manipulate the costs lower mm. Mm. and get it done lower. But people don't understand that if you don't put that time in, they want to just get a main contract, a hands-free turnkey. Well, that's going to cost you money. Mm. That's not going to be the cheapest way of doing it. But if you're leaving in 30K at the end of the deal and it's not your own money, you've got an infinite return on cash flow, mm. 
you just got to pay an investor back, then that turnkey money is, is not bad to spend, I, th- I think, personally. Mm. So horses for courses, really, it whatever is. you're it trying depends, to achieve. It depends on what you want. And mm. this is where it comes back to my empty model, mm. which you're, you know, Peter, I mean, you need, you need some experience or education, which is the E. You need money, you need property, you need time, and you need to be the driver, so that's the empty. Right. Do you know, I've not heard that before. But that Just is because very... I made it up. Well, there you go. But it's very, very, that's actually very impressive. I like that. It's part of my... So just, I, just say it again for anybody who's listening, because you said that quite quickly. Let's go through them a little bit slower. Yeah. Same again. So E is experience. Yeah, or education. But education yeah. is the leverage. So experience. Yeah. So it could be that you come with transferable skills. It could be that you leverage uh, a team member, like a partner. It could be education i just learning about that particular business model or strategy. So experience is, is key. So if you've got to have that yep. as, as a key element, there's five key elements, so yep. that being one. Yep. Money is obviously, you know, you don't need your own money, but yep. you need money. Uh, whatever strategy you're doing, you're going to need a little bit of money. Hmm. So whether that's, I would say, other people's money, it's the best way to leverage, obviously. Um, if you've got some of your own cash, then great. Uh Obviously, you've got banks, et cetera, et cetera, the normal funding. So money's, money's key. Mm. Um, and then property. You obviously need a property mm. to do have a property investment. <laughs> so obviously leveraging that through estate agents, sourcing agents, et cetera, all the normal routes, director, vendor, landlords, uh, wherever you can find deals, really. Uh, build those relationships. And then T is, is time. So if you've got lots of... Say, like for me, I had lots of experience and time, but I just didn't have the money or the property. Mm. So I, the you or the why is, is you. Mm. So you're the driver. So I, my drive was, yes, I've got experience. Yes, I've got um, the time, but I just haven't got the money and the property. So I was just like, right, I need to find money and I need to find property. Mm. So I started building relationships with people that could find me property and I started building relationships with people that could give me money. Mm. Well, I think that's a really clever model, and I, I think it's really interesting, as you say, that the why is at the end because really it is the the you that pulls the whole thing along, isn't it? It all starts and the end. engine on the, the it all train. starts and ends with you. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the bit which so often people don't put the investment into. They're investing in everything but themselves. Yeah, and that, and and there is a full model. I do I do have a full model, but for me, if you go back to the you, what you've just said there, it the reason why I, t- I do. Go into I go into that in a lot more detail with coaches, mm. my co- my mentees, etc. But it all starts like the perceived challenges is finding deals, it's finding investors, it's finding the right team, it's finding the time to do this. You know, I've got a full time job, I can't, you know, blah blah blah. So they're just perceived challenges that because any any business model that's out there in property has been proven. Mm. It's not something new that you're doing. It's already been done. It's just whether it fits your values and your your empty model, basically, if it's mm. the right fit for you. Mm. So for me, the actual challenge is his mindset. Mm. As you said, no one really works on themselves. Everyone looks for outer, um, outer validation when it's really internal that you need to work on. So mm. mindset's the first one. Then motivation, which is your plan. And then the movement or the action to make sure that plan and the motivation is moving forward and then the more and more consistent you get with that the more momentum you build and then you can compound what you've already built over the last however many months of doing it mm. yeah i totally agree with all that that's a great model Thank great you. model 
So how do you find your properties? You've kind of just given us a bit of a hint there of some of the ways you find your properties. Yeah, but so like- I've done it all sorts of ways. I think I remember um, Rob saying once years ago when I, I used to follow Rob years ago in Progressive and he was like, you know, the best deals come direct and then most of the deals come from estate agents, which is, you know, been my experience as well. Mm. So, for example, I had a really good relationship with a lot of estate agents locally to me and, and I'll give you an example um, I had one where it was an end of terraced house. He went, Dan, it fits your model for HMOs. It's like, okay, cool. I just didn't have the cash at the time to do the deal, so I packaged it up and sourced it to someone else. But we bought it for two nine nine, which three well, it's a three straight four bedroom house, turned it into a six bed HMO. It's just got revalued at four fifty. Mm. So, and that was because I've got a good relationship with that agent, and uh, it's. Yeah, we just did the deal. So that's I, I do it in all different ways. I don't do a lot of leafleting and things like that. It's just not my thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, generally, if I'm going to find them direct, I'll be I'll be I'm out whenever I'm out. I'm always looking, seeing what's about. Absolutely. And then I'll just yeah. go and do a hand handwritten letter, stick it through the door. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? If you don't ask, you don't get, do you? That house for two nine nine was that down in the south? Was that Ken- yeah, Kenway? Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was um, Dartford area, so, right? Yeah, near the crossing. It's about two minutes from the station. Yeah, um, it was the only one on the street of of its kind because it was the end of Terrace. I think it would have been like maybe um, the builder might have built that one, and everything else was just a standard terrace. This was like double bay fronted, etc. So, um, but yeah, two nine nine for that property was mm. cheap. It sounds it, but the reason why I'm asking and the reason why I'm sort of laughing a little bit is because I have so many people come to me, you know, particularly when I'm training on the masterclass and they yeah. say something like, I'm based in London or I'm based in the yeah. southeast. You can't do anything down there. It's just too expensive. Nothing works. But it's just not true, is it? Well, but it you, goes but you need the, to know what you're doing. Let's go back to the perceived mindset. Um, finding deals, finding investors, finding time, finding the team. Go to my challenges Mindset's the first one. So if they're saying the first thing they're saying is you can't do deals in the southeast is rubbish. Yes, yeah, because we're doing deals all the time. Absolutely, I've just got to deal with right now that um, we're hoping to land. Fingers crossed. Uh, I phoned them up this morning. Uh, Three fifty for us is already a six bed HMO, but it's not been done particularly well. So we could rejig that and value it up uh, for probably about four fifty to five hundred. Mm. So again, there's a, there's a, there's meat in the bones there. Absolutely. So, I mean, it all comes down to strategy. Not all strategies are going to work everywhere, but there's strategies no. which they, every area will have strategies which do work. Yeah. And that's the thing to, to look for. And again, it comes down to that, that model again. So if you're coming into it with, you know, now you've got the education because you come to Masterclass, for example, you've got some time, you just need to find money and property. So you just need to make sure that the business model, the property model, fits the money that you can borrow so you can then leverage the whole thing without, you know, leaving too much money in the deal mm. and, or, or, you know, having to pay too much for the money. So, mm. you know, money, money, you can get money pretty cheap, to be honest. Mm. Money's not the issue. Again, it's, it's a mindset thing. Mm. Absolutely. And the other reason why I was laughing is because you found that through an estate agent. And how often have I heard people say, you can't get a decent deal through an estate agent? But I've found most of my deals through an estate agent. And it sounds like you've found a lot of yours through yeah, estate agents. Yeah, all the deals agents. we did up north for, for estate agents, the deal... Uh, the deals we did in the Midlands were through estate agents, sourcing agents, because um, I didn't have the time to go up there. I was running a business, so I didn't have the time to go up there every week and do the whole go and talk to estate agents, literally phone people and sp- sp- 
like built a couple of relationships with what I thought were good independents and just went from there really mm. um, there are going to be agents there's, there's, I'm not going to name them but there's specific agents in my area that are big corporates and I've, I've never got a deal from them mm. I, you know they're just not interested in building relationships it's, it's a it's a it's all about churning the deals, the properties through. Mm. All the deals I've got are through either small independents or smaller um, corporates, if you like. Mm. But the big, big corporates, I've never had any deals from. Mm. But if you know who, who to talk to, the smaller independents, like you say, they're usually a yeah. bit hungry, a bit more personal. Yeah, service. and they want to work got with a vested you. interest in seeing it through, haven't they? Yeah, and if, as long as you do the normal things or what I call just the standard values like communicate and just make sure you get back to them on things even if it's not the right thing for you you've been and viewed it they've spent time with you they've gone out of their way to try and find something for you even if it's not quite right just you know phone them up and just say look you know appreciate your time blah 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 blah. but it's not quite what what we're looking for what i always do is go look i've i've got this deal that i've just done this is the layout this is the style can you just find me more of them now, I was going to ask you about that because I actually saw that post on Facebook about <laughs> yeah. like it was last week. And I thought, what a fantastic tip. Because going Thank back you. to what you said earlier about property being simple but not necessarily easy, what a simple thing to do. Yeah. When you've actually found a property that works, why not just go into the estate agent and yeah. say, give me another one of these? We all know what a cookie cutter is, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and you just try and cookie cutter everything in business. So it's, it's you know, and property is obviously a business. So for me, it was just, Thought it was. I, I obviously mentioned it in a talk I was doing, so I just cut it, got someone to cut it down for mm. me and stick it, and I stuck it out on mm. social media because I thought I've never actually heard anyone say that they do that. No, but it's such an obvious th- thing, isn't it? Yeah. When you think about it, yeah. I mean, but we try and make things so hard, so complicated, and then wonder why it takes so long or why it doesn't happen at all. Yeah, you just got to get creative. And for me, it's uh, one thing I learned a few years back because of um, I lost a lot of money. Um, Oh, a number of years ago when I was in the building industry and because of that that adversity it's actually made me put a lot of best practice in you know I'm always looking at how I can tweak things and better things and you know not settle for just that system it's got to be the right it's got to be the best it can be um, and you're when I mean, you're always striving to grow personally I am anyway so for me business and systems and all that is no no different really mm. so yeah you've got to, yeah, you've got you've got to make sure that you're doing these little processes because it will it will get you deal, and that's how I got that that's how I got that deal, mm. that Dartford deal, a two nine nine. Just went and said, "Give me another one of these." I just went. Well, he he phoned me and said, "Dan, I just think this fits your model." Mm. I'm looking at the floor plan that you you gave me. Mm. <laughs> he mm. Said, uh, "Come and have a look." Mm. Literally went and looked, put an offer in. On that day, because I knew it would work, I knew because I knew the figures because I know what I'm, I'm pricing already, and I put an offer in that day, and and he came back to me the following day and said, yeah, he's accepted it. And it doesn't have to. And be it didn't even hit the market. Answer. Didn't even hit the market. The open, the open market. Yeah, and I think sometimes we forget that that's exactly what the estate agent wants. They want it to be easy. Yeah. They don't want it to be hard themselves. They just want to get a deal done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But sometimes you have to go and view things that you know they're adamant that you should go and look at it. You go and look at it, and it doesn't work, but. You know, it's all part and part of the parcel of the process. But if you're going to be lazy and not go in the first place, then, you know, the whole there's no deals in the South um, will always be the case. Yeah. And one of the big benefits, and I don't know whether you agree with this, because you're much more of an expert at this than, than I am, but particularly when you're thinking about how do you actually get the knowledge to know how to cost? 
very interested what you're saying a few minutes ago about costing Budgets. refurb. And that's what, again, one of the big problems which people perceive that they have. They come to me and they say, I want to do refurbs, but I've got no idea how much it's going to cost. And they get into this loop where they can't do it. And I think at some point you've just got to break in. You've got to go looking at properties. And it's just practice, really. The way you get to know about costs is by going out and doing it. Yeah, it's like how you build any muscle. Mm. You know, you're just consistent, consistent practice, consistent um, work ethic, and, you know, it will come. But there are systems that you can put in place. I mean, for me, when I, go to, when I went to new areas, obviously it's totally different in the northwest than it is in the southeast, and it's totally different in the Midlands than it is in, in, in obviously, those two areas. So I had to ask a lot of questions, you know, how much are you charging for a full skim of a house? How much are you charging to rewire a house? Or like with, you know, and then how much is the emergency lighting? How much is the full fire panel system for a free floor house, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're, if you're not going to put that effort in up front, I always say 80% is in the prep and 20% is in the procedure when it comes to refurbs. Um, so all that stuff is in the preparation. Um, that's what I teach a lot of my project mentoring clients, uh, it's it's just a system, uh, and budgeting for me is th- one of the most vital things to get right. It's, mm. it's as vital as getting the end value right. Absolutely, because yeah. it can make or break the deal. Sure. If you're like, oh well, I think it's twenty grand. Well, okay. What if it's not? What if it's forty? And you're in the deal, and you're using other people's money. Where's that twenty grand come from? Where does what does the ROI look like afterwards? Mm. It's really important. It's not to scare people. It's just, just, just don't be lazy. Just learn this stuff. It's, mm. it's, it's out there. Mm. You know, I teach it. Other people teach it. Go and learn yourself. Talk to builders. Talk to, talk to people that are pricing it. Maybe project managers, etc. Mm. How much are they? All this, you know, pluck a figure out of the air or, you know, blowing in the wind in regards to uh, oh, it's ten grand a room for an HMO. Mm. The words roughly in. Um, uh, just not in my vocabulary no. when it comes to refurbs. No. Rough refurbs. <laughs> yeah. If you want a if you want a, if you want a rough refurb, that's how to do it. It's just to under budget it. So um yeah, I mean it's don't pluck a figure out of the air. No. And it doesn't have to necessarily be hard. Again, it's simple, isn't it? But I mean if you go and get your three quotes and you start building relationship with builders and contractors and as you say, just talk to them. Could even be as simple as adding to that knowledge by going to the network meetings and talking to other investors and finding how much they Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're not trying to poach builders. You're just trying to understand the costings. You know, yeah. look, what did it cost you? What did it cost you to do a, a three-bed buy-to-let? What did it cost you to do a six-bed ensuite HMO in the area that you're looking at? Mm. Um, and then, like anything, let's liken it to, you know, trying to find out an end value. Well, you get your comparisons. You go on right move. You get on the sold prices. You go on Zoopla. You speak to estate agents, et cetera. And then you, you, you literally put all that together and average out the costs and, that gives you a good understanding of what that property is going to be worth. It's exactly the same with a mm. refurb. Mm. Talk to builders, talk to other investors, talk to project managers, talk to people locally, talk to estate agents. Just start getting costings together. The challenge is, is people want to do property, uh, they rush into it, mm. they go and start viewing, which is great because they're excited and, and I did exactly the same thing. Differences I had, well, at the time, nine years experience in how to price jobs already. Mm. So... They need to start learning that stuff at the same time. Mm. It's just that simple, really. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, get that budget wrong and yeah, it can it can seriously, like I say, especially if you're using other people's money. Yes. It can be a bit naughty. It can be very frightening. 
Yeah, it can be. And I, you know, and I don't want to see people like say I went through a, a building contracting claim years ago where, where builders, I was so overstretched with what I was doing. Again, I learned a lot about business. Um, my wife and I were going for fertility treatment, so that was stressful enough as it is. I had X amount of jobs on, and these builders just didn't do what they said they were going to do when they said they were going to do it. I didn't have the systems in place, didn't have the processes in place, ended up costing me 80,000 quid. Ooh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, that knocked me, knocked me over for 18 to two years, 18 yeah. months to two years, you know. Yeah. So it's imperative that you get it right or, yeah. or get it as close to, you know. Like, but having a good budget, businesses have budget. What's your, what's your marketing budget for the year? Mm. And then what's the actual and then work that, KPI it, put it to the next project, mm. cookie cutter it, there you go, this is what we spent, this is what we've done. No one does that. No. Very, very few people that I talk to do that. Interesting. Very few people. Especially if it's a long-term thing. Mm. If you're going to do one project, then fair enough. But if you're going to do, say, two projects a year or four projects a year, wouldn't you want to get better on it? Wouldn't you want to save money on your, pro your materials and... You know, just things like LMPG can save you a lot of money. Mm. So, and again, it depends on how you run the project as well. Yeah. So for me, there's three ways. You, you either become the manager, so you are the contractor effectively and manage all the subcontractors. But if you've got no experience, that's going to cost you more money because you don't know how to manage the team. You don't know the process. You can supply all the materials, but again, you don't know what you're supplying. So for me, if you're very new to that, that's not a great way of doing it. And even if you've got some experience, it's a tough way to do mm. it. And you're not leveraging your time very well. Mm. You're becoming a project manager rather than mm. a property investor. So what do you want to be? Mm. So the next one's manage the manager, get a main contractor in. Um, yes, you'll pay that little bit more, but there's ways to bring your costs down. You can supply most of the materials, for example. You should be supplying the kitchen. You should be supplying the en-suites bathrooms. You should be supplying the doors and furniture. And contractors are okay with that? Because I've I mean, never had an issue with it. No, just a matter of negotiating it at the beginning. Yeah, no, I've, I, I, yeah. I've never had an issue with it. And um, the way I do it is I know what my vision is, if that makes sense, in the property game. I know what I want to do moving forward. So I'm selling that to them. I'm selling that vision to them and I'm trying to bring them along with me. And that's all you've got to do is just talk to them, tell them what you want to do, tell them how it can you know, help them and... You can learn about how to do property through us as well, and you just build that relationship. If you're just saying, I just want you as a builder, that's it, done, you know, it's a bit cold, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> just build relationships with people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then the third one uh, is get a project manager. But smaller stuff, it's not really cost effective. No, I mean, it all depends on how you want to do it. I mean, I've up in, Absolutely. because I've bought up in the north, I, I've got my managing agent to be the project manager yeah because he's got a vested interest in making sure that there's a lettable product at the end of it yeah absolutely and it's great it's a great way of doing it yeah and obviously being a managing agent they've also got access to all the contractors which they have anyway yeah on a day-to-day -day basis in case there's any repairs needed yeah so that's always worked for me but i mean i guess it depends on scale what you're trying to achieve it depends on scale depends on your knowledge and what you can and can't do and the thing we've like just quickly going back to budgets and it's, it's relevant for everything, really, is people only know what they know. So if they're going into a project and they're saying, oh, well, I just paint over the wallpaper, but not even thinking about the damp, then that just, to me, just says it's just inexperience and they've not had any um, hardships or adversity uh, in property because you've only got to get a bad contract. You've only got to get a bad um, 
pro- budget, you've only got to get a ba- you know, the project to overrun, and then you kind of your project's not as good as what you wanted it to be. That doesn't happen all the time, as you know, but you do need to know that it does happen, and you need to make sure you've got the right systems in place. So. Mm. Mm. Excellent. So, have you got any more tips for anybody who's thinking about doing a refurb? Any sort of top tips that you? Can give us? Yeah. Um, so I was talking about this morning. Uh, for me, something that I learned a lot about when I went through my building claim was insurance. So always make sure you've got the right insurances in place or the contractors. So let's just call it, you've got a main contractor doing the project. Uh, they need to have public and employers liability. Uh, if they've not got employers, they need employers because if they're paying all the subcontractors, technically they're, they're the employer. So you need to make sure, but don't, when you ask for their, and I know so many people don't even ask for their insurance, which is worrying, but if you're asking for their insurance and you need to ask for the policy, the whole policy, not just the front heads of yeah. terms, the whole policy, what does it cover? Um, also, you want an all-risk policy, especially if you're doing things like opening the roof to do loft conversions or building extensions so you're, you, 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 the property's open to elements because normal buildings insurance won't cover anything that happens in that time mm. that it's open and exposed. Um, so you need to make sure there's an all-risk policy there. If they haven't got one, it's best to get one. And I only learned that through domestic clients um, and having a good broker on board. Mm. Um, and then also the other one for the investor, especially if you're now, a lot of people are going down the limited company route because that seems to be the, the way with all the tax changes. Um, you need director's insurance as well because you're a commercial entity and all the properties that you are bringing into that company are technically a commercial entity. So health and safety does apply. So if anything happens health and safety-wise and you've not mitigated your risk or ticked all the boxes, um, the builder's not turned up with PPE and something falls on his head and hurts himself, you are technically liable for that. So director's insurance covers you personally. Yes, now, all this always sounds very alarming, but it's really just a call or an email to your insurance broker, yeah, isn't it? Really? it's really straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not, to, it's not to scare people. It's no. not to put people off. I just want people to protect themselselves. Sure. Yeah, m- sure. Mitigate the risk, mitigate refurb risk, if you like. But um, that's just a little tip that a lot of people don't even know that they need that stuff. Yeah, and it's easy to do. It's easy yeah. to do, but it makes a massive difference to your peace of mind and if anything should happen to Yeah, and to it's your, an annual policy your, and yeah. it's there. It's done. Yeah. Um, but it also covers yourself if the builder does something silly or something's not done right, and you've got you know that they've got public unemployers liability. Mm. So it's just part of business, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not scary. It's just phone up your broker and say I need this. Yeah. Have we got this? If not, can get it. <laughs> yes. It's that simple. Yeah. Again, yeah, simple, great. but not always easy to to know. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't know what you don't know, you don't know it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that, a great tip. Anything else that you can share with us today, Dan, while you're here? Um, yeah. So for me, um, there's also a process for running a refurb. So this, I call it seven steps to refurb success. A bit cheesy, but it's there. <laughs> it's out there. Um, so for me, the first, first step is really important. Dan, this is after you've done your 80% preparation. So contracts, schedules, uh, timelines, payment structure, all that sort of stuff, you know, insurances, blah, blah, blah. So this is the procedure. So 20%. So initial meetings, just check that everything's set up well, that everybody's on the singing off the same hymn sheet. You know, the first aid's there, all the health and safety stuff's set up. Um, you know, the, the project's ready to go, basically. Um, and then 
the second step is just strip out demos, um, you know, like knocking everything out, getting everything back to wherever it needs to be, to the blank canvas that it needs to be at, whether that's taking walls out, chimneys out, etc. So just strip out and demo. And then the next one's first fix. Now, first fix is vital. It's the most vital part of the project because sometimes, especially if it's a Victorian, an old property, for example, they're not always as square as you want them to be or then, you know, they might have a few issues when you get to strip out stage. So it's important to be on site when first fix starts because you need to check, like, for example, an HMO, I had it uh, on my latest project in Dudley. The, we were, there was an, uh, a building off the kitchen which we were going to knock through and make into a room off the kitchen. So the kitchen would have been about 12 square metres and then this would have been a 15 square metre room. What we didn't, none of us noticed was that the floor levels were different uh-huh. um, because it was a thick chimney wall which we took out. So it was almost impossible to realise that they were different levels, basically. Um, so chimney came out, floor was higher. Now, before the guys had started, I said, they were like, well, we'll dig out the floor and blah, blah, blah. I was like, whoa, stop. <laughs> I don't want you to start digging out any floors. And So all I did was rearranged uh, the stud work so the door position was slightly differently, different. I left the level of the floor as it was and put a new uh, and added basically a suspended floor with ventilation so it circulated. Um, so the floor level was all the same, so you stepped up into it. Ah. But if I if they'd have started building that stub work, boarding it, etc., and I now I'd gone to see it at second fix, that would have cost me a lot of money to change that. Yes, because all the wiring would have been run, all the all the plumbing would have been run, all the boards would have been up, the insulation, etc., etc., etc. That that's a big lot of taking stuff out and rerouting it. So it's a vital to be there at first fix um, to make sure that everything works as the plans show. Yeah, and absolutely, and you've got the vision of what you're trying to create. I mm. mean, I guess from their point of view, they were trying to overcome a problem, whereas you can actually see a workaround to actually achieve your vision, which was a yeah. slightly different thing. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with changing it, but make sure it's changed then, because mm. it's the, the most cost-effective way. So for me, initial meeting, you need to be there. After strip-out, you need to be there just before first fix starts. So they're two, two really key times to be on site. Then obviously once the first fix done, which is all you're running the wires, all the all the framework, the steels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, basically getting it to the skeleton of the property, you start second fixing, so plasterboarding, plastering, decorating, um, hanging doors, and getting it to where it needs to be to get it to a finish stage. Now, the second fix, fix is the third step. Um, once it's there, really it's go around making sure that you know, each room, snag each room, just make sure. And snagging's things like if there's a door not hung or there's skirting missing or a flooring missing, uh, you're still in second fix. Mm. So don't start snagging it then because mm. <laughs> you'll just yes. annoy the builder. <laughs> yes, yes. So once the doors are on, handles on, skirting's on, decorating's done, and there might be just a bit of silica missing or mm. it might be a, a, a nick in the wall or it might be the socket's slightly wonky or a screw missing. So just little tiny things, mm. small snaggy stuff. Do the whole list, get, give them a week or whatever to do the work, come back and do a final sign-off, um, which basically means that snagging's all been done, everything's complete, ready to... You've got all your certificates, you've got all your instructions for ovens and things that you've put in, appliances. 
and then you can check check off. I mean, I do all these lists with my mentoring clients. So da, 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 go through the whole thing, sign it off, agree it, and then pay the balance basically. Mm. And then it's literally the final step, seven, seven steps is dressed to impress, get it all dressed or show home or whatever it is you do. Mm. HMO, you've got to be, for me, dressed to impress is, if it's an HMO, for example, obviously furniture, get it all dressed so it looks like a room ready to, to, to move into, um, get professional photos and professional videography done. Because if you're trying to leverage your business, you're documenting the process throughout all these professional videos and photos are just part of the extra investment or going to the estate agents saying, just done this one, this is what it looks like, this is what it was, this is what it looks like, this is the floor plan. And they go, wow. And then you go, right, well, get me more of that. Mm. Listening to you, Dan, one thing which really strikes me is you do like your systems and processes. And that's yeah, well, quite right. Are you a details person? <laughs> it's funny. I, do you know what? I'm a creative. Yes. Um, I'm glad you said that because I am, and yeah. I panic a little bit about details and systems yeah. and processes, but and they're I so did. essential, aren't they? I did. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've studied personal development for, what, 10 years now, mm. I suppose, and uh, Wealth Dynamics, I've done that, and, you know, I've, I've uh, Demartini's values factor to see, just to see who I am and what I enjoy doing. And I'm very much present at what star creative and supporter so systems and process and analytics management is not actually my strengths at all it's just part of what i've done but going through the process and making mistakes i'm now i've got 15 years of systems and best mm. practice because i've done it wrong mm. <laughs> so i can help people do it the right way now yes um and it is the right way because Trust me, I've made so many mistakes with it. So systems and processes are absolutely vital. I don't particularly like it, it, but it's part of business. Yeah. So there we are. I mean, that, that's it, isn't it? I mean, so if you're already a details person, fantastic, good for you. Yeah. But if you're like Dan and myself and you struggle with the details and the systems and the processes, you, you get over it and you do it because yeah. you, you have to learn to. And like you, I've been in the business long enough now to... I've learned how to change my mindset to be able to accommodate it. Yeah. And it's made a massive difference. Yeah. There's, there's two ways. Learn it and do it yourself or leverage it and get someone else to do mm. it with you, for mm. you, um, whether that's a partner, joint venture, or whether that's, you know, someone in your team. Mm. Um, but it needs to be there. Mm. It needs to be there because that's where the mistakes come. Um, yeah. So just learn from my mistakes, really, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, it's all best practice, really. Now, you mentioned being a star. Yes. So let's explore this because you were saying before we actually came on to do the recording that you love training. Oh, I love it. So tell me, because you've got the, the property um, vault down yes. in Kent. Yeah, the property t vault. Tell us all, all, about, all about that. Then, so, so the property vault came about um, initially in 2013 um, and I just didn't have time to do anything with it. Uh, and then in 2016, I just bit the bullet and just went, sod it, I'm going to set up in a networking meeting called the property vault. Uh, um put all the branding together, you know, un helping people unlock property knowledge because it's a vault, etc. Um, and our core values are network, educate, collaborate. Mm. So for me, it was never about, I always wanted to potentially look at turning it into education arm. But really, it, at, the, the, at the beginning, it was more for building my personal profile, potentially getting more investors, potentially finding deals through it. Um, and I just enjoyed doing it. I enjoy networking. I enjoy connecting people. I enjoy presenting and talking. 
So I thought, yeah, it's a great idea to do. So, you know, set that up in 2016, um, April, and I set it up in Erith originally, so South East London. And then I set up two separate ones, Medway and Seven Oaks. And it got it got a bit diluted, if I'm honest. So I decided, well, originally I actually wanted to set it up in Gravesend, which is not far from where I am. There's no one else doing it in that, in that area. Um, so I amalgamated the whole thing and just did one event. I mean, we're regularly getting between 40 and 60 people every month now. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, I've got a co-host and my business, now business partner, Amy Rowlinson, uh, who's brought a completely different dynamic um, to, to the party. She's, she's fantastic. You know, lots of good ideas coming in. Um, and because of the back of this, we're now working and being mentored by Rob Moore. Well, I was going to say, because Rob has spoken at your event, hasn't he? For no, no, no. Oh, not I thought he had. Okay, sorry. My, my mistake, my no, bad. One day. Maybe I'll just plug <laughs> Rob. Rob, yeah, if Rob, you're listening. If you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Come down and see us in Kent. Yes. Um, but no, I mean, we, 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 we're we doing the uh, mastering, business and mastering, master, uh-huh. marketing, mastermind, getting my teeth in. Um, to, to help grow the network and grow the education side. I mean, we're looking at it from more of a, um, we're aiming, it, it can be for newbies, but it's more for people that maybe have, have already done a few deals um, that are already doing a bit of training. It's sort of like a um, an added bonus to the practical side, the nuts and bolts, and, and also the um, accountability. So we do, I mean, I'm a qualified coach as well, so I do a lot. I do a lot of coaching for people, not just property and business and, and life in general, uh, just to help them move forward in, in, their, in whatever they want to do. And we, we bring that element into the property world as well. Okay. So, so if anybody wants to come and attend a property vault meeting, how do they find you? Uh, Thepropertyvaultuk.com. Okay. And uh, yeah, if, you, if you've never been before, you can come for the first time for free. Just enter the code NEWBIE. Um, and if you've been before, uh, please share and like what we do because you know we're all about content and adding value and helping people along their journey. Really. Now, the other thing which I know you do and which sounds really exciting is the coaching and mentoring for a project. Yes. So this isn't actually project management. No. This is managing the person who's got the project. In yes. A, in a sense. Yes. How, how does that work? So it's called project mentoring. Yeah. Uh, it is specifically for a project. Um, so, for example just uh, started working with a new client, two young guys doing stuff in Coventry, HMOs. They've done two or three deals already, um, but all very standard stuff, not full en suites, not any real major building works, um, more like three beds and a bathroom and then two en suites, for example, that sort of type type scenario. Um, and they realised that they want to do more of this and they've, they've got no real systems. And they've, not, they've got a little bit of knowledge, obviously, from what they've done. And they just said, we just feel like we are paying too much and, you know, that there's other ways that we can do it. So they get my full 15 years of experience um, of how to run projects. They get all my systems and processes, all my tick sheets, my, you know, um, so I've got sign-off sheets and um, all the stuff I was going through, hitting the mic, um, all the stuff I go through, well, I went through earlier with the seven steps. We go through all that in detail, but we go through the project in, in we do all the 80% prep. So I help them understand how to fill contracts, how to procure the builders properly, what they should be supplying, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I just hold their hand through the whole project. Mm. Um, we do an initial uh, one day. Well, it's normally about, well, it's normally half day with traveling, etc. But But um, 
I sit down, we go through the whole project, I view the property, I look at it from a builder's knowledge point of view and an investment mindset. Uh, so I'm bringing both and combining both um, and mitigating anything that they might have missed. And then we sit down and go through the project or floor plans and how to put that together, who should be doing it, what sort of floor plans you need, how to price it, so all the stuff I've been talking about today. Yeah. Um, and then throughout the project, I'm just there supporting, giving them the things that they need at the right time, not over filling their heads with information, just the stuff that they need at the time and ready for the next bit as they move forward mm. so that they can, you know, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot because it's a one-off fee for that project, but then they, they've got a whole system that they can take onto the next one, the next mm. one, the next one. So realistically, the money that they're paying now may seem a lot, but compared with what, if they're doing 10 projects in the next five years, they're going to, it's, it's an investment, it's an it? investment in their education an investment in their business. So I really enjoy doing it. I love spending time with people and helping them grow and, and, um, make sure that they're doing things the way they should be. And then they can know what they need to know rather than don't know what they don't know. Absolutely. And the, the thing which strikes me about that is it's, it's not just sort of like classroom training where you can tell people as much as you can and then you're not quite sure whether they're going to apply it or apply it in the right way. Yeah. You're sat there with them actually applying everything they need to know to their particular project. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't, you won't remember this, Peter. You're too, you're, you're far too young. Uh, <laughs> YTS scheme. So it's like, it's like mm. that. It's like a hands-on, hands-on uh, approach to property investing, really. And um, not only is it the builder's knowledge, but it's the, I mean, I look at it from three elements. It's the build knowledge, the design side, and then the ROI. So I'm looking at all all, all angles. Um, so it's not just the practical side you get. You get the investment, obviously, all the investments I've done myself, et cetera. Um, so, and I've, I've not only done it for other people. So as a contractor doing HMOs, I do HMOs myself, and I've packaged HMOs. So I can see it from, mm. so I've got good practices in every single one. Uh, so I bring all that knowledge to it as well. And I just, I just think, People need that little bit of encouragement, little bit of help mm. and accountability as they go along, you know. So anybody listening to this thinking, wow, I need that, how do they get in touch with you To Just go to my website, danholbert.com. Dan Holbert, that's H- H-U-L-B-E-R-T.com. Yeah. And just contact me through there, yeah. Yeah, or on Facebook, maybe. Facebook, yeah, Dan Holbert. Uh, I've got an official page, Dan Holbert Coach. I've got my just my normal profile, Dan Holbert. LinkedIn, Dan Holbert. Yeah, so you find Dan everywhere, but best to go through the website. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's just just the easiest way that I can connect with people and then we can talk directly. I'm always happy to do 15, 20 minutes on the phone just to see what it is that they need and if it's the right fit for them. Hmm. Um, So, but yeah, anywhere in the UK. Yeah. And you may well bump into Dan at Progressive, Dan at Progressive HQ, because I know you're down here today helping with the VIP. Yeah, yeah, I'm hosting the VIP today. Um, VIP for anybody who's listening is the 12 month mentoring program which Progressive run here yeah so what are you doing today then Dan? so I'm hosting the day um, yeah. so I know you guys do two a, day, two, two a month so I'm doing obviously today and one at the end of the month uh, but really I'm uh, there's two other speakers um, that I'm introducing we're doing some deal analysis really getting into the nitty gritty of property um, the nuts and bolts of it and I'm going to be talking about my empty model there and, and just explaining what that is and how that works because I do you know, I get to do a presentation as well. Um, but really, it's just to help any of the new people that are coming into it. Just all, they're all aspiring property investors. 
so I think VIP is a great way to um, to, to you know to get a, a group of peer to peer as well. So it's mm. not just learning from the people on the stage; you're actually learning from people that are in the room, which is mm. a great way of doing it. Because there's some people a bit further along, and some people that just new. So you, you've got that peer to peer mentoring as well, which I like. It's mm. great. So you may well bump into Dan down here yeah. in the part of the community. And Dan, I'm sad to say that's probably all we've got time for this week. No so worries. thank you so much for, for coming in. No, it's my pleasure. It's great, great to sit here and talk to you. Yeah, and likewise. So there you are. If you want to go to the Property Vault, get in touch with Dan. If you want to have coaching and mentoring on your refurbs or your developments, talk to Dan. And uh, go, well, danholbert.com. That's the best way. That's the best way. <laughs> so Dan, thank you ever so much. No, pleasure. Thank you. So Dan's been Dan, I've been Peter, and if you want to know more about me, you can come to my website, thepropertyteacher.co.uk. And by the way, I was thinking about this the other day, because I'm not really switched into all the social media stuff, despite the fact I seem to be out there all the time doing my videos. But do come and like my Facebook page as well, The Property Teacher Facebook page, and then we can really keep in touch. And of course, you can find me on YouTube as well, come and find my YouTube channel. Here's to successful property investing. Thank you.